Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. chapter 4 verse 16 Luke chapter 4 verse 16 and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as his custom was he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read and there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah and when he had opened the book He found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, to recover of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book And he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. I come with a question today. A question I'd like to pose to all of us. What is being done with the book? What is being done with the book? Heavenly Father, we come before you today. We need you in this hour. Lord, we're so thankful to be gathered and worshiping again. Lord Jesus, with our brothers and sisters, with our family, with our friends. We're so thankful, Father, for this opportunity today. I pray for your blessings upon this word to our hearts. Help us, God, to share what you've shared with us. And bless, Lord, your people today. In Jesus' mighty name. Let everybody say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. What is being done with the book? The Lord bless you. Be seated. I want to talk to you about a town that nobody cared about. Another beautiful day dawns in this area, the southern region of the lower Galilee. The sun rises and reflects off the rocky rolling hills of a small village situated at the north end of the Jezreel Valley. The place is unimpressive. It's unimportant by most standards to the majority of the Jews, insignificant. Most would consider Nazareth, whom archaeologists have discovered that at this time would have about 200 people. No, Nobody would really think much about Nazareth. It was insignificant. Nobody famous comes from this small agricultural community. Nazareth is not even mentioned in the Old Testament. The first century historian Josephus 
mentions 45 towns in, in the area of Galilee, but he never mentions Nazareth. The Talmud refers to 63 towns in Galilee, but it never mentions Nazareth. Most people would consider Nazareth what we would say back in Texas as Podunkville. Podunkville. You know, that's where the country bumpkins live. It was a forgotten town. Obscured, uncelebrated, forgotten. The town had been abandoned for years until a number of the tribe of Judah resettled it after they returned from the Babylonian captivity. Nathaniel's statement matched the sentiment of that day when he said, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? This is coming out of a man that Jesus said had no guile. It is, it is a place of irrelevance. Un, unknown people, people that you don't know about, like Mary and Joseph, a couple who is engaged but not yet married. It is here that they come from. It is here in this tiny, unimportant, and undistinguished community that the hope of the ages is raised. The one for whom all earth longed for and waited is raised. The Messiah, the King of glory, would grow up and call Nazareth hometown. Everyone knew Mary. Everyone knew Joseph. Can you imagine? We're in a town that is much larger than Nazareth. We're in a town that... Uh, you know, everybody knows everybody just about. And if you don't know everybody, you know everybody's business. You can't hide anything in Medora. Somebody's going to know about it. Can you imagine being in a town that is mostly made up of the same tribe of Judah? And that family is kind of knows that family. And they know Aunt So-and-So and Cousin Sa Sam. And they know this one and they know that one. And, and, and everybody knows. So that everybody knew Mary. Everybody knew Mary's story. Everybody knew about the son Jesus. You know that one that was <laughs> born, you know, real miraculously. The town had become a buzz now because Jesus had just turned the water into wine at a wedding in neighboring town of Cana. They heard about his fame as he went from place to place healing people. But not only that, they heard about him going to synagogues and how he was an awesome preacher. Jesus had been baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist at this time. He goes into the wilderness and is tempted of the devil and comes out victorious against that. He turns the water into wine and then he's preaching throughout the area of Galilee in synagogues. For Matthew chapter 4 and verse 23 says, Matthew 4, 23, And Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Then look at Luke chapter 4 and verse 14 where it said, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee and there went out fame of him throughout all the region round about and he taught in their synagogues being glorified of all. He became famous for his preaching. He became famous for his teaching. Everyone is blown away by the hometown Jesus who is now the talk of the region. 
The buzz is hitting the town. Word gets back to Nazareth. Gossip spread. And Jesus, their, their hometown boy, he's now, we don't, we've never had anybody get on the map. We, we weren't even in the Old Testament. They didn't even think of us to put us in the Old Testament. Uh, Josephus didn't write about us. Uh, but now, did you hear about the preacher? Did you hear about Joseph's boy? Did you hear about how he's tearing it up? And, 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 and man, and you, you, we're going to have to book him for revival. Somebody say amen. His preaching is powerful. His delivery is distinct and pleasant. His vocabulary, sweet as honey. Amen. Who would know, knew that this small town carpenter would have such a grasp on the truth of the Torah. His exegesis was flawless. His cadence, it, it was in lockstep with the law. He flowed with scripture. He could weave together thoughts and, and captivate the minds of the congregation like no one else. He also heals sickness. Now he comes back home. Jesus is coming back to the synagogue where he was raised in. Coming back to his hometown where Sunday school teachers had taught him. Coming back to the hometown that, that we find that he had visited many times before. Now Nazareth is going to be on the map because this prominent preacher is now coming. The healer is coming. Nazareth is going to experience in their small synagogue. Most people believe that the synagogue of Nazareth would have been probably no bigger than just one section of our pews. A very small place. But did you hear here Jesus is going to be speaking and preaching on, on Sabbath. We're going to have Jesus at Sabbath. Have you heard about him? Let's come and hear Jesus. I want to point something out to you in Luke chapter 4 and verse 16. The Bible said that he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as his custom was. As his custom was. Jesus had a habit of going to church. Anybody want to be like Jesus? Jesus had a habit of going to church. The Lord of the Sabbath went to the Sabbath to worship. The song of heaven sung hymns, amen, at Sabbath. We find that the grand object of worship went to worship. That is the place where the word went to hear and teach the word. Amen. He approached the attendance to public worship as something that was important. It was very uh, imperative that he went. Not an intermittent idea, not an inconsistent idea, but a co consistent idea. I'm going to the house of the Lord. Anybody want to be like Jesus? Anybody want to be like Jesus? I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of God. There's a reason I want to go to the house of God. There's a reason I want to go to church. Because that's what my Lord taught. That's what my Lord did. His custom, like the rest of the Hebrews, was to make sure that he was clean before they went to church. You don't go dirty to the synagogue. Your feet have to be clean. We find that your attire has to be the best that you can afford. Your face has to be washed. And then you have to bring, if you were a male, you would bring your prayer shawl with you. As Jesus would do because Jesus had a prayer shawl. Because the Bible said that the woman touched the hem of his garment. It was actually something like this that, that, that she touched 
when she touched the hem of his garment. And so for a Hebrew to go into the house of the Lord, he would cover himself and then he would bring his prayer shawl with him to be ready to pray and to minister in the word of the Lord. So he has everything together. And and, and as he's getting ready to go to church, he looks at his mother Mary and says, Shabbat Shalom, Mom. Shabbat Shalom, Joseph. Shabbat Shalom, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas, his brothers. Shabbat Shalom to his sisters. Shabbat Shalom to everybody. What is he saying? If you go to Israel today, you will hear this expression on the Sabbath. Shabbat Shalom. What does that mean? Have good church today. Have peaceful church today. Amen. It would be like us saying, praise the Lord, brother. Praise the Lord, sister. We're going to the house of God. We're going to worship the Lord. We're going to praise God. I'm excited to be in church. I'm excited. Anybody excited about the house of God? Jesus had a custom that every Sabbath he would go to church. It may have been Friday evening. It may have been Saturday morning. But it was church time. Jesus had two major habits that is demonstrated in his life. Two major habits of worship, both privately and publicly. He attended public worship. And Mark says that Jesus would get up early in the morning and find a solitary place to pray. So he had private worship and he had public worship. Somebody know that's our habit. We need to have private worship. And public worship. We need to pray in private and pray in public. We need to worship in private and worship in public. Worship at home and worship at church. They went, the early church went from house to house and in the temple daily doing what? Praising God. Is there anybody today want to get to the place where you have both a private and a public worship? A private and a public prayer life. Somebody say amen. Now, the Jewish synagogue was open every day. And the reason they had synagogues is because the temple had been destroyed when they left and went to Babylon into captivity. And when they come back from Babylonian captivity, because the temple was destroyed, they began to make these small houses of worship that they called synagogues for teaching, where the priests could teach. And the temple was destroyed, so they had to have these synagogues. And they had them everywhere. As long as you had ten men, you could have a synagogue. That's what they said. Amen. So the Jewish synagogues were open every day. Godly Jews would come and hear from the respected rabbis. Sabbath, on the other hand, was a special worship day of either Friday night or Saturday morning. And sometimes people would attend both. A synagogue generally stood on the highest place in the area or the city. It would be an oblong, and the end opposite to the entrance would point towards Jerusalem. There would be seats where the elders would sit, and the men would sit, and the women would sit in another section, and they would all gather around. And at the end of the building would be something like a box that they called an ark. And in that ark would be the scrolls, of scripture, the law and the prophets. It would be there for the reading that would go on that day. On the Sabbath, they would bring the law and they would read the law. 
on a raised platform. They would read as persons would stand and declare from that pulpit the law of Moses. And after they read the verses of the law of Moses, they would begin to expound and explain and begin to preach. You want to know where we got preaching from? We got preaching from the customs of the synagogue that they would read scripture and expound on it. When they would open up their service, they would open up their service with prayer, still do today. They would open up with prayer and they would have prayers that they say and prayers that they would go through. They would, they would, they would begin with the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. They would begin with prayer and they would begin with worship. I want to tell you, let us never minimize the moment of prayer in one of our services. Never minimize the time you lift up your voice and begin to sing praises to God. That's what Jesus did. That's what we should do. The minister, the administrator of the synagogue would carefully remove the sacred scroll out of the chest or they call it an ark Remove the covering. Today they have, inar- they have ornate coverings all over them. Beautiful cloths and tapestries that cover their scrolls. And they would lay the scroll on to the pulpit and the podium. And then those that would read would come. And Jesus, being popular in the synagogue, was asked to come and to read. As he was coming forward to read, we find that the book was given to him. And after reading and explaining and expounding on this scriptures and things that had gone on by others, he stands up and this is what he reads. He reads from Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the broken. Oh, I forgot something. He'd have to do this if he's going to read. They would cover their head when they would begin to read. And he'd have his prayer shawl and cover his head. Amen. I hope it doesn't mess up my hair. But they would put this on and they would have their prayer shawl. And they were very serious. And it was a sacred time. It was a sacred time. I want to tell you, we cannot become casual about the Word of God. We cannot become casual about the preached Word of God. We cannot become casual about our own private reading of the Word of the Lord. It ought to be something to us that says, this is sacred. This is holy. This is God's Word to me. And I want to treat it as such. I want to respect not only what is in here. I respect this book, amen, properly to take care of it. Somebody say amen. Jesus is famous now. Jesus is a famous preacher by now. And so he comes to preach from the word. The word begins to deliver the word. The author of the book opens up the book. Amen. And he begins to read. And the people are watching in wonder and awe as this hometown boy begins to read like they have never heard before. Just two verses. But wow. Wow! Luke tells us that the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. They were amazed and marveled at the hometown boy was now a powerful rabbi teacher. And then the Bible said he closed the book. 
That means he rolled the scroll together and turned around and gave it to the minister or the administrator of it. And he sat down. Amen. The author had just spoken. The author of the book had just spoken. Truth was now operating in a reality that they have never seen before. Old forms of worship were about to go away. A new revelation was about to take place. And so he closed the book. He closed the book. Types and shadows are now seen, amen, in the lone figure of a man standing behind a podium in a small synagogue. A fresh revelation has now been exposed. He closed the book. The true tabernacle of heaven was now standing before them. He closed the book. The Old Testament was giving way to the new. When he closed the book, he closed the book and the embodiment of a new covenant was now personified before them I love what John Hastings says about this passage he said he closed the book because he was greater than the book amen the book was a prophetic shadow and he was a reality the book was an echo and he was the voice the book was the forecast and he was the fulfillment the book was the teaching and he was the teacher the answer to their messianic anticipation was standing right before them. The word they longed for. The word that they needed. Their sick being healed. The poor being changed. Those that were bound set free. He, he was there right before them. He closed the book and turned it and gave it to the minister. What Jesus said next flipped the script, changed the atmosphere in that small, packed synagogue. For he said in Luke 4 and 21, he began to say unto them, he sat down and he said these words, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Woo! All those that were in awe all those that were amazed by his oratory and his reading all of a sudden looked at him. And the next verse says, and they bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceed out of his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? I went to school with him. I worked around him. I've seen him. I've been, I'm familiar with Jesus. And I, I, I know preachers and that ain't no preacher. That's just Jesus. I know those that can deliver the word, man. They can come. They're conference preachers. That's no conference preacher. That's Jesus. That's just Jesus. Amen. And, and not only that, when he said, these, these scriptures today are fulfilled in your ears. Amen. I want to tell you, the atmosphere changed. The atmosphere changed. He looked at them, amen, before they could make a move, and he said, you surely say unto me this Proverbs, physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever you have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. Okay, Jesus, what he read in, the, in their mind was, Jesus, you're such a big deal. Why don't you prove what you, what, what, you, what you are? Why don't you do some miracles here? Why don't you hear, heal some of our sick folk? Why don't you help us out? Why don't you show us that you're really the Messiah who you claim to be? 
They wanted the famous preacher and healer, but they didn't want the revelation that he brought. They wanted the show, but they didn't want the substance. They wanted the miracles and the notoriety, but they didn't want the resurrection and the revelation of who Jesus was. They wanted special favors, but they didn't want divine revelation. Amen. How then did they respond when he told them these words? It says in verse 28, And all they in the synagogue, men, women, children, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. And rose up and thrust him out of the city. And led him to the brow of the hill. Whereon the city was built. That they might cast him down headlong. But he passed through the midst of them. And went on his way. Their response to the message was killing. 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 Now I'm about to preach to you. Are you ready? That's my whole foundation. I've laid a foundation because I want you to get a picture. A lot of people will sit and hear the word of God and they like it maybe because the preacher is good or he's a good uh, uh, put words together or they get a personal word from the Lord and, oh, and it blesses them. But I'm going to ask you, what are we doing with the book? What are we doing afterwards? What do we do afterwards when we hear the word of the Lord? You and I only have a short time to decide from a message from God between the time the message is delivered and just a few hours later, what are we going to do with that message? What are we going to do with that truth? What are we going to do with that revelation? Has God spoke to you? Well, are you doing it? Has God spoke to your heart and said, this is what you ought to live and how you ought to live? But are you doing it? Are we being like uh, uh, the, the synagogue there of Nazareth that says, that's just Jesus. I don't want that. I want you to do something else. I want you to pull a rabbit out of hat for me. I want you to do something that make me you know, be happy about my situation. Don't give me something that is painful. What are we doing with the book? What are we doing with the word? Amen. So what are we doing when he comes to us and says, I've got the answer for you. I've got the revelation for you. What is the last thing the Lord spoke to us? Oh, we want another word. Oh, God, we want, well, the Lord said, live like this. And, and the Lord said, you ought to be kind of like this. And, and the Lord said, this is where you ought to go and what you ought to do. Amen. But what are we doing now? How are we responding when the book is given back to us? What do we do with the book? Oh, preacher, you got the book that Jesus gave you. What are you doing with the book? Amen. Where are you going to take it from there? Where are you going to take that message that in camp changed your life and made you be something different, but now you're back on the same old track, back on the same old path. What are you going to do? Go back to that word and pick it up and hear the Lord again. I'm going to consecrate myself. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to be holy. I'm going to be a prayer warrior. I'm going to be a soul winner. I'm going to be on fire for God. I'm going to be a worshiper. What are we doing with the word? What are we doing with the word? What they looked at Jesus was, that's just, that's just Jesus. Some of them knew it so well, they just called him G. You know, I, I played ball with, with Jesus. I went through this with Jesus. 
I want to talk to you just for a minute. Can I get, get re really where we are today? There are some people, you know what? I'm 60 years old. You know that. But it's real easy to hear your pastor for years, to hear my voice, to hear my preaching, to know my cadence, to know my style, to know what I'm saying. And it's real easy to hear it and then close the book and then just lay it aside. It's real easy to hear and say, oh, that's just Brother Gill. Or that's just Brother David. Or that's just Brother Dylan. Or that's just Bishop. Or that's just somebody. But what, what this generation needs is that we need to take the word of God and put it to our heart. If it comes from the book, let's believe it. If it is preached in truth and love, let's take it for what it is. If that's what it... I realize we live in a different generation. I realize we live in a generation where you got to explain everything. You got to tell them why. You got to tell them what. You got to show them every little thing before they believe. That's okay. That's this generation. But at some point in time, there's got to be somebody that stands up like Jesus' family, like James, his brother, and says, I believe that he is the Messiah. Go look. He wrote the book of James in the New Testament. I believe in my half-brother. I believe in who he is. Amen. It's not just the same old voice. It's not just the same old service. I'm not just sitting in the same old pew. But I've come to hear a word from God that's going to change my life. It may be a familiar voice. It may be my pastor. But why don't we take it as indeed the word of God. Some time ago, Sister Gill and I went to Ohio to minister and to sit down with the leadership staff of the church there. They have several churches, so we had several pastors, pastoral staff that we were sitting down with. And one of the preachers said, I feel like I'm preaching and nobody's listening. I feel like I'm delivering my soul and nobody hears. And me, as slow as I am mentally, I had the answer when we left. Jesus preached and his own families, his hometown, rejected him, run him out of Dodge. They, as a matter of fact, not only run him out of Dodge, they took him to the high point. There are precipices. There are mountains around Nazareth. Nazareth sits in a bowl. And there, 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 there are cliffs that they could have taken him to. But somewhere between the time that they're going to drop him off the edge of the mountain and leave in the synagogue, he passes through them. One of the saddest verses that I've ever read is that he passed through them. The Word, the Messiah, their hope, their Savior, their healer, their deliverer, their word that they needed. The book passed through them. It was not the book in the scroll that they put back up in the ark. It was the living book that was by them and around them. And yet they wanted to destroy what they needed. They wanted to destroy something that seemed perhaps convicting. Perhaps it seemed hard. Sometimes it seems like the word that comes to us is it, not always uplifting. Amen. It's not always encouraging. It's not always, bless you Jesus, everything's going to be alright. But sometimes it's, trust me. It's hold on in faith. 
Sometimes it's persevere. Sometimes it's stand up and square your shoulders and go on. But the word that Nazareth needed, that insignificant small town, obscure that nobody knew, had the glorious king of heaven that was living among them. And yet that word passed through them and they never knew it. I don't want to leave a house of God. I don't want to leave one more Bible study. I don't want to leave one more preach word of God and let the word pass through me and I don't get the revelation. Oh God, give me the revelation of your word. Give me the revelation of your word. Sometimes the word of the Lord comes and it just doesn't settle very well in our stomach, does it? I know, I know Pastor Gill is, he's such a soft, nice pastor, is that he's just going to give you cotton candy because y'all like cotton candy. Anybody like cotton candy? Uh, to us that battle sugar, it's poison. Come on, somebody. Look, look what, what happened in the book of Revelation when the angel of old came to John and told him, said, now here's what you're supposed to do with this. In Revelation 10 and 9, he said, I went unto the angel and said to him, give me the little book. And he said unto me, take it and eat it up. I want you to eat it up. But it's going to make your belly bitter. But it's going to make your mouth sweet like honey. Sometimes what I hear from the word of the Lord is bitter. I don't like it. It doesn't, doesn't settle good on my stomach. But Brother Keith, i got to have it because it's nourishment to my spiritual well-being. But if I will concentrate on the honey... Rather than the bitter, I'll much rather eat it. Mm, hallelujah. How many of you that are older, you, you, you older folks, uh, now eat things that you w wouldn't eat before? Well, God bless Sister Judy and a few other. I got my hand up. You know what? You couldn't get me to touch greens for all the money in the world when I was younger. But now give me some greens and a little bit of cabbage. Uh, give, me, give, me some, give me some radishes and give me some, give me some things. I want to eat me some beets. <laughs> Hallelujah. Boy, I'm going to preach a little while here tonight. Amen. It's what you get a taste for when you get a taste for the word of God. There's going to be somebody then that stands up and says, Praise God. Preach it, Jesus. Preach the word to me, Jesus. I take the revelation of your word. What are we doing with the book? Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, ministered in one of, of Judah's bleakest hours. God sent him to, to talk to Israel in a desperate hour, a desperate time. The word came to Jeremiah, and it was bitter. It was bitter. The word that came to the prophet was filled with judgment. It was filled with repentance. It was filled with get right. Jeremiah was in anguish over the gravity of the message. To make matters worse, he is mocked and ridiculed by those that he's preaching to. But look what Jeremiah said in 15 and 16. Thy words 
were found and I did eat them. Thy words were found and I ingested them. Is there anybody here today that's really hungry for the word of God? I don't care how long you've been sitting on a pew. I don't care how many messages you have heard. I don't care how many Bible studies you have heard. There ought to be something inside of us that says, let me have some more, Jesus. I found your words and I gobbled them up. I received them. I took them in. I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord of hosts. Thy word, thy word. We need to eat the word. We need to ingest the word. What's being done with the book? Let's devour it. What's being done with the book? Let's believe it. What's being done with the book? Let's receive it. What is being done with the book? Let's obey it. Amen. What's being done with the last message you heard? What's being done with the last message that you heard two weeks ago, three weeks ago? What are you doing with the Word of God? What have you learned for all the years you sit on a pew? Amen. I'm telling you, the answer is eating the book. It's eating the message. It's getting the word of God in you. And know that if I get the word in me, I'm going to live. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Thy word, Jeremiah said, was unto me the joy. And the rejoicing of my heart. Ezekiel, what are you doing with the book? Ezekiel, what are you doing with the word? Ezekiel 3 and 1. Moreover, he said unto me, Son of man, eat that thou findest. Eat this roll and go speak unto the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he calls me to eat that roll. What is he talking about? He's talking about the book. And he said to me, Son of man, cause thy belly to eat and fill thy bowels with this roll that I give thee. Then did I eat, and it was with my mouth as honey for sweetness. It is like honey for sweetness. Oh, Job said, neither have I gone back from thy commandments of, of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary Food. Amen. I need his word more than I need to watch that program. I need his word more than I need to follow that YouTube video. I need his word more than that ball game that I, I feel like I ought to go to. Amen. I need his word to be number one in my life. MPC, what are you doing with the book? What are we doing with the book that Jesus handed us? Matter of fact, Jesus said... If you're going to follow me and you're going to come after me, he said, you got to eat me. He that eateth me, even he shall live, Jesus said. He was not talking about his physical flesh, but rather him as the word. Eat him up. Consume him. Ingest him. Get his word in your spirit. What are you doing with the obvious truths that you already know? What are you doing with the obvious truths and scriptures you already know? What are you doing with the revelations of Jesus that he's already brought to us? What are we doing with it? What are we doing with it? Jesus passed through the crowd. I don't want him passing through my midst. Let me be the one that holds the word 
and says, Lord, I need to hear from you. Stand with me, please. As a matter of fact, Jesus had to go to a neighboring town to set up his, his headquarters in a town called Capernaum. We never find Jesus operating out of Nazareth. We never find Jesus doing a lot of miracles in Nazareth. Why? Because they didn't receive the word. They couldn't handle the revelation. I want to tell you, when, when tithing becomes a revelation to you, <laughs> you'll embrace it no matter what it looks like in the flesh. When, 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 when dressing right becomes a revelation to you, it, 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 you can't nobody take it from you. If you just do it because of imitation, hold on just, just one second, sister. If you just do it because of imitation, because you imitated grandma or grandpa, amen, you're not eating the book. It's got to become a revelation. It's got to become a re revelation that a man's supposed to be like a man and a woman's supposed to be like a woman. It's got to become a revelation because that's the way he created to us. Amen. It's not just something that you could cram down somebody's throat. It's got to become a revelation. But when it becomes a revelation, what do you do with it? What do you do with it when he says... Forsake not the assembly of yourself together as a man of some myth. What, what is it that when that revelation hits you, i got to be in the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, if there's something that I am thankful for, I'm thankful for these last two weeks that we've been shut down because it gave some of us a renewed spizzerinctum to get to the house of God, to be here in the house of the Lord, to come into his presence, to worship him. Amen. I want to eat his word up. I will eat his revelation up. Hallelujah. Let me have truth and let the world go on by. Let the craziness continue, but let me have Jesus. Let me have the word. Let me have truth and revelation. Mom, dad, grandma and grandpa, what are you doing today to teach your children the sacredness and the importantness of the word? Are you modeling before them? When's the last time your kids heard you say amen? Am I, am I on, Brother B? Grandma and grandpa. Say amen to the word. Amen. What are you saying? I'm eating it. Because amen is more than just a hand clap. I'd much rather have an amen than I would a hand clap any day. Because an amen says I receive it and I take it in. Amen is where you begin to receive by faith. By faith. By faith. You say I take what that word is and I receive it to myself. What's being done with the book? What are we doing with the word? What are we doing with the word? Are we trying to kill the word as they did with Jesus? Are we saying, I receive the word. Now I'm going to take that and make that life to me. Hallelujah. I'm going to open this Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at 
MedoraChurch.com to learn more about our ministry. <music>